You're listening to Comedy Central. February 6, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Trevor Noah, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Our guest tonight, your favorite zombie killer and Wakandan soldier, Danai Gurira is here, everybody. So excited to have her on the show. Also on tonight's show, Trump's State of the Union was the best and worst ever. Beto O'Rourke is getting ready to tell us that he's getting ready to tell us something, and Michael Costa finds a sport that even Maroon 5 can't ruin. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Virginia. Last week, the state was thrown into chaos when it came out that Governor Ralph Northam wore blackface in the 80s, which was a dangerous time for that. Yeah, dressing up like a black celebrity in the 1980s, a lot of skinny white necks were snapped from those chain-related injuries. Anyway, a lot of people said Governor Northam must step down, right? Give the job to Virginia's Lieutenant Governor, Justin Fairfax, next person in line. But then it came out that Fairfax has a very serious sexual assault allegation against him. So then everyone started looking at the next person in line, State Attorney General Mark Herring. And now we're back to square one. And we have breaking news out of Virginia with the state's governor still in hot water. The attorney general now, Mark Herring, is now apologizing for wearing blackface in college. The Democrat issued this statement in 1980 when I was a 19-year-old undergraduate in college. Some friends suggested we attend a party dressed like rappers. We dressed up and put on wigs and brown makeup. This was a one-time occurrence, and I accept full responsibility for my conduct. Another Virginia politician was in blackface? Another... Like, at some point, you start wondering, are there any real black people in Virginia? <laughs> like, honestly, if I'm a black guy in Virginia, I'm doubting myself right now. Someone be like, hey, this you? You'd be like, I don't know, man, I don't know. <laughs> so the governor did blackface, the attorney general did blackface, and it only gets worse because the next person in line for the job is the House Speaker. Yeah, and he's an actual can of brown shoe polish. <laughs> Moving on, President Trump. We know he's under investigation for stuff that happened while he was running for office. And he's also under investigation for stuff that happened after he got into office. But what about the little bit of time between the two? Well, guess what? Federal prosecutors have issued a subpoena seeking documents from President Trump's inaugural committee. The subpoena shows prosecutors are investigating a laundry list of potential crimes. Conspiracy against the U.S., false statements, mail fraud, wire fraud, money laundering, disclosure violations, contributions from foreign nations, and contributions from straw donors. The committee raised $107 million for the president's inauguration, more than twice as much as Barack Obama. Federal prosecutors want to know how that money was raised and how it was spent. That's right. Even Donald Trump's inauguration is under suspicion. <laughs> and to be honest, we should have known something was off when he was sworn in on a copy of Money Laundering for Dummies. We should have seen it. <laughs> we just didn't pay attention that day. But it's a real question, though. Like, how did Trump manage to spend twice as much as any other inauguration? Like, it can't all have been porn star NDAs. Where's the money, huh? <laughs> you know what I think? I think they paid everyone who attended the inauguration 
to say it was the most packed inauguration they'd ever seen. That's what it was. Yeah, they were just like, here, you just say, say it was packed, say it was packed. And I was like, yeah, it was me, myself, and I. We were all there. <laughs> and finally, some interesting news from the world of fashion. Tyra Banks has just announced a surprising winner of America's Next Top Model, you. Supermodel Tyra Banks announced today that she is developing a 21,000 square foot theme park in Santa Monica. It will be called Monoland. The America's Next Top Model host wrote, Monoland will be a place where everyone can be a model. A place where everyone can be a model? So Instagram? <laughs> That's what that is, right? I'm totally a thought. Are you kidding me? A model theme park is a strange idea, right? Like, why would you want to go to a place where everyone can be a model? Do you know how models get treated by the industry? Instead of height requirements, all the signs of the park are gonna be like, you must be this thin to ride. <laughs> it's gonna be the only theme park where people are throwing up before the rides. <laughs> and like what, would, like, what would the rides at a model theme park even be? Like, it's just bumper cars, but instead of driving them, you just pose on the hood? It's just like, yeah, yeah, am I winning yet? You know what would be funny? Is if they had a ride where you're a model and you have to see how long you can hold on to Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah! The record is six months. Yeah. Oh, the one part of good news is that you know how theme, par theme parks take a picture of you on the roller coaster? Yeah, you know Model Land is gonna airbrush the hell out of those, right? You're gonna look amazing. Terrified, but amazing. <laughs> anyway, they haven't announced how much tickets are for the Model Land theme park, but they will be offering a senior citizen discount for anyone who's over 26. All right, let's move on to our top story. Last night, the president delivered his second State of the Union address, telling the nation where it stands and where he plans to take it. And if you watched all seven hours of the speech, you'll know there wasn't anything memorable. In fact, the only thing from this speech that will live on is this viral photo of Nancy Pelosi sarcastically clapping in Trump's face. <laughs> This is the most amazing moment from the speech. Isn't it amazing how the meaning of a clap changes just by slightly adjusting the angle of your hands? <laughs> yeah, because if someone claps like this, it means, well done, you did a good job. But if someone claps like this, it means, wow, great job. <laughs> and then if someone claps like this, it means you're about to get your ass beat. <laughs> That's what that means. A lot of white people are like, is that what that is? Yeah, run. <laughs> you see this, you run. <laughs> and for me, the person I enjoyed most last night wasn't Donald Trump, it was Josh Trump. He's the cute kid who the president invited because he gets bullied for his last name. <laughs> but it turns out he fell asleep during Trump's speech. <laughs> Oh, man, the Donald must have been so hard to be like, how could you, Josh? I spent minutes writing this speech. <laughs> but for those who could stay awake for the speech, uh, the reviews were mixed. Tonight, we heard from the President of the United States what was one of the most single, most inspiring challenges to the country. This was probably the worst delivered speech I've heard Donald Trump get. I thought he hit a home run. I saw this as a, as a psychotically incoherent speech with <laughs> cookies and dog poop. It was the best speech my father has ever given tonight. It was the best speech my father has ever given. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, your father is Donald Trump. So saying it's his best speech is a pretty low bar. It's like saying, that was the best 7-Eleven sushi I've ever had. <laughs> the salmon was just the right shade of gray, yeah. 
And by the way, I, I love how all the Trump boys are growing beards. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. It's probably so that when Mueller comes for them, they'll be like, Eric, who's Eric? <laughs> I'm Gandalf Trump. <laughs> but enough about that boring ass speech, man. Let's talk about the Democrats. Many of them are preparing to take on Trump in the 2020 presidential race. And look at all those faces, huh? <laughs> this is gonna be a tough race, people. A really tough race. So let's check in on the latest developments in our ongoing segment, World War D. Weekend, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker became the latest Democrat to jump into the race. And one thing that sets Booker apart is that unlike every president going back 150 years, he's not married. Although now, he says that could change. U.S. Senator and 2020 presidential hopeful Cory Booker confirmed he has a girlfriend during a radio appearance yesterday. The rumor mill has the New Jersey Democrat supposedly dating actress Rosario Dawson. Neither of them have confirmed the relationship. If Booker wins the 2020 election, he'd be the third bachelor ever elected to the White House. Before I declare president, I, I'm, I'm dating somebody that's really special, so. Oh, yeah. so Cory Booker got a boo. I, I got a boo. You must not read the blog, Charlemagne. <laughs> wow, Cory Booker has a boo. <laughs> who is she and also who still says boo? Like how old are these guys? What are you doing, Charlemagne? Everyone knows that boo was replaced by bay. All right, and eventually Bay will be replaced by Bibimbap, okay? That's how it works. I, I'll be honest, I hope Corey's relationship lasts. But at the same time, I do think it would be really dope to have a single president. Yeah, saves taxpayer money, no first lady, depressing Christmases, it's gonna be fun. Although, I don't know if America wants to invite foreign dignitaries to a White House where a single guy lives. Like the Japanese prime minister will walk in like, is uh, there a chair I can sit on? Be like, oh my bad, man, just push the clothes onto the floor. Just push the clothes down. You can sit anywhere. <laughs> Plus, I don't know if you want the president dealing with dating issues while he's in office. He'll be meeting with Putin like, President Putin, I have one question for you. This girl and I were messaging for like a week and then she ghosted me. Like, do you think I should drop her? It'd be like, try one more message, but be casual, something playful. Like, uh, if you don't respond, I'll poison your family, you know? <laughs> yes, winky face. Always use winky face because that way they know you might be joking, but could also be serious. <laughs> one eye fun time, other eye closed. <laughs> now, even though there's already 200 Democrats running for president, there are still a few big names who haven't announced yet. And yesterday, one of those big names gave an update about his thinking. Former Congressman Beto O'Rourke teasing a possible run for the White House. He told Oprah during the taping of a TV special that he'll make a decision by the end of the month on whether he will run. If I can play some role in helping the country to do that, okay. by God, I'm gonna do it. Okay, by God, when are you gonna know the answer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The serious answer is really soon. Um, <laughs> is, is, is really soon, before the end of this month. No, Beto, we need to know now. Time is running out. There's only 21 months before the election. <laughs> Seriously, though, why does everyone keep pressuring candidates to announce so early? Like, people push these people into the race, and then everyone wonders why the campaign lasts so long and costs $50 billion. Like, it's, it's genuinely such an American thing. Like, Americans are early for everything. You line up for movie premieres hours in advance. You wait overnight for the new iPhone. You guys even show up to sporting events early, 
and then you leave the game early so that you can beat the traffic and get home early because you gotta get to work early. <laughs> like, we don't do this in Africa. We don't care. I remember one time I went to a sporting event. I bent down to pick up something. When I got up, all the white people were gone. I was like, what, what? <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to be early in Africa. My mom just sent me a Christmas card yesterday <laughs> for 2017. <laughs> we're chilled. Oh, and here's another weird thing about American campaigns. Your candidates announce that they're going to make an announcement. And they always have to pretend that it's this big mystery. Just listen to how Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar is trying to build the suspense. We'll find out this weekend whether another Democrat is jumping into the 2020 race for president. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar says that she will announce her decision this Sunday in Minneapolis. Come to Boom Island in Minneapolis and then you'll find out. It's gonna be a little cold, 20 degrees, wear warm clothes, maybe have, you know, a little heat warmers with you, but then you'll find out my decision. We We're gonna have hot chocolate, campfires, be there. Okay, she... She's obviously running, right? <laughs> no, because if she isn't, this is super messed up. <laughs> Why would you drag everyone out to some frozen island in Minnesota to announce that you're not running for president? <laughs> Let me tell you something. If I hold my ass out there and you're not running for president, I'm gonna be like, uh, F that. We're shutting this thing down. Nobody leaves this island until someone here runs for president. <laughs> Gary, have you done blackface? Then you're running for president. Come on. <laughs> But the biggest news from the Democratic race this week isn't about the people who might run. It's about a big name who's already in the race. This morning, 2020 presidential hopeful Elizabeth Warren is facing renewed backlash over her claims of Native American ancestry. The Washington Post obtaining her 1986 registration for the State Bar of Texas, in which she listed her race as American Indian. I am sorry that I extended confusion about tribal citizenship and tribal sovereignty and for harm caused. I am also sorry for not being more mindful of this uh, decades ago. God damn. So over 30 years ago, Elizabeth Warren said she was American Indian. And almost every Virginia politician was in blackface. Did nobody want to be white in the 80s? <laughs> and how many times is Warren gonna keep getting busted for this? Like, at some point, even Rachel Dolezal is gonna be like, girl, enough already. You're making things harder for us real women of color. Mm-hmm. Yes, child. <laughs> but I think this is pretty much what we can look forward to for the next two years. Campaigns launching. Candidates apologizing, resetting their campaigns, apologizing again. And by the end of it, I think we're all gonna feel as exhausted as Josh. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an activist, playwright, and actor who stars in the Oscar-nominated film Black Panther and on AMC's hit series, The Walking Dead. Please welcome Danai Gurira. Very nice. <laughs> Very sweet. Yeah, yeah you are. Uh, you. It's interesting sure. that you have to. Do you have to start a lot of conversations like other people? I'm really a very nice person. Yeah, try dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because I mean, like in Walking Dead, you are you you're a master of many weapons, and then obviously in Wakanda, you're like the most badass. You are. This is the thing I always say to people. I was like, do you know how badass you have to be to be the bodyguard of the Black Panther? 
you understand how next day, like, it's like, yeah, when you, like, she's gonna protect you from the black pad. Do you have to tell people all the time, be like, I'm very nice, I won't hurt you? Are people afraid of you? Uh, well, you know, I mean, they, they don't show it too overtly, but, right. you know, I do have to disarm, you know, and I probably should get better at it. But, you know, it's like, you know, be jovial and sweet, giggly, right, right, goofy, right. which I am, you know, but, uh, yeah, sometimes you have to work at that a little bit. I feel, like, I feel like waiters would come up to you and be like, I'm sorry, ma'am, I messed up your order, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, let's, start, let's start with congratulating you. Black Panther, congratulations. Thank Seven you. Oscar nominations for Superhero Movie. Thank the Best you. Picture nomination. Thank and you. the cost already won an award, uh, Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Ensemble Cost. What do you think makes the cost so special on, on Black Panther? You know, it's, it's, it's really kind of simple in, this, in the sense that uh, Ryan really was so amazing in how he gathered a very particular group of people. That right. And he always used to say this. He's like, I wanted a cast that didn't just want to come to work and learn their lines. And I think there was something really great about the spirit that we just had as a family on that set, which was we came in every day, we had ideas, we had thoughts, we were, you know, in it 150%. We understood that, you know, this was, this was a special opportunity. Right. And a moment that we really wanted to pour into. I mean, getting to speak Kosa, by the way, um, <laughs> it, to the world. These are things like, you know, we yes. dreamed yes. of, you know, to be able to, to share this sort of, uh, you know, cultural exchange, but like allowing epic characters from this perspective to come to the fore. So I really think that was just the spirit everyone had. People came in with so much dedication, so much preparation. Right, right, you know, right. I think of Winston Duke and how, you know, he came in with that whole moment that oh, everyone, yes, became, yes, you course. know, um, imitates, you know, the, the power of how he brought in that his character had to be different from ours in the sense that he was Yoruba, you know, in a sense he was uh, mimic mimicking or, you know, using the cultural uh, nuances of the Yoruba. Right. And so right. he, you know, the way that he went into that sort of research and work, I mean, everyone just came with so much dedication. And I think that um, is what, I guess, resonated for those who voted for us. Right. It's, it's, it's no, you know, it's, it's no surprise that you do well on screen. You're, you're an amazing actor. But at the same time, your, your costs are really great. The Walking Dead is coming back for its ninth season now. And the story has evolved so much. I mean, when it started, it was a pretty standard, all right, there's zombies, the people are there, you got to kill the zombies, keep it moving. But now we're in a world where it seems like the biggest monsters aren't necessarily the zombies. Uh, yes. Well, we do have a new, uh, a very new and very scary enemy. You saw a little glimpse of it. Right. There. And it is, you know, this whole new psychological, like, mind, you know what? Because it's like, we, this is a whole new thing. We do, we have no idea how to deal with this. Right. Like, the idea that they're that disguised, and you, you know how walkers behave. We spent nine seasons establishing how walkers behave. Yes. And now there's this whole flip on it. And so how are we going to grapple with that? Because, you know, we've, we've already lost someone to how they work and, you know, what are we going to do next? It's, it's, it's such an intense show. You, like, you know, you, some people die off and then some people just disappear into the wilderness and, 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 and they've gone off. Um, but, but one thing I've, I've always loved is that you, you always have these intense characters. A lot of people may not know this about you, but you're also a very accomplished playwright. You know, this is one of your passions. You, you're a Tony-nominated uh, um, playwright. Whenever you're reading a script, do you have to hold yourself back or do you just change whatever you want? Because, like, you write scripts. Are you ever, like, reading and be like, trash, 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 and it's coming back, these are my new lines. <laughs> ah, that would be lovely. No. <laughs> 
Um, no, I, I don't do it quite like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's the beauty of the places I've been able to work. And yes. I think that's kind of because that's the only sort of work I seem to attract, which I'm thankful for, is that the folks at the helm of those projects like Walking Dead, like Black Panther, are collaborators. And so oh, nice. they really have allowed me and they allow others. Like, you know, I really think a great artist, be they an actor or a writer, their, the storytelling ability is there to really yes. feel out what's, what's resonating, what's not. They know their characters. They can see what could work a little, you know, sharper and, and they can bring forth arguments. So I've been able to, to do that. And it's great. I have such amazing uh, a showrunner and a cast and, you know, Ryan as the director, like just being able to say, conversation, let's think about this, or can I try this or that? And they, they allow some, some things at times. And I accept when they don't, because that's how leaders must be. They must allow things and then not allow things. Right. They have the final say, and that's always respected. You are somebody who is lauded on screen and off screen as well. People look up to you as, as a, a powerful woman on, on, on screen, a powerful actor uh, behind the, the camera. But at the same time, what you do in real life is, 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 is really amazing. You have an organization called Love Our Girl. Mm -hmm. And that organization has a very specific focus. What is that? Well, really, it's, um, I was born on Valentine's Day, so uh, it That was, must suck. It, it, you know what, it doesn't. Because when, when, there's when always you... someone, is, someone's always gonna buy me dinner. Someone's always gonna buy yeah, me but dinner, what's, Trevor. What's the dinner for? How do you know what the dinner's for? My birthday. For? No, it doesn't matter. It's, oh, so you just I'm want the dinner. I'm celebrating on the 14th. Either way. Either way. Okay, okay, I can see that. I would be like, yeah, I feel like it's like, which one is it? No, no, no. I mean, because like, you know, it's, either it's a group of friends, but uh -huh. you know, we're always gonna have a good time okay. on Valentine's Day. Okay, no, that's a nice day. way to look at you it. You know, okay. I'm, I'm never sitting at home going, eh, I wish, no. <laughs> I'm always out having a good time right, on Valentine's right, right. Day. But, um, you know, I've never, honestly, I've never quite understood the holiday. So it was really about me saying, you know, what during Eclipse, which was on Broadway, as you mentioned, the, the, um, the focus is about girls and how they get displaced and, and, and uh, abducted during war, the sort right. of sexual violence that happens during conflict. So the bodies of girls and women tend to be the stomping ground of, of wars ignited by warlords and, um, you know, big men disagreeing. Yes. And so uh, it was really about highlighting the, the personhoods, the lives, and, and the, the, the struggles of women and girls going through that. And I really wanted to sort of find a way to highlight that in a way that um, was more permanent than, you know, saying, oh, we're on Broadway now. Yes. So the idea of, of Love Our Girls was really like, I want to take back Valentine's Day just my own way and say, if we loved on women and girls more, would we really be in a state of this level of disparity between right. the genders? Would we still be here if there was just more genuine love given to how we can help women and girls be nurtured and reach their highest potential? Right. So Love Our Girls is, is not, you know, it, I, there's so many amazing organizations out there doing astounding work around gender, in, gender inequality across the globe. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about me saying, I'm gonna come in and do this and that, but it was really about how, how can we nurture awareness? Yes. You know, because you can't become an activist without it. And the idea of saying, like, if you just take a pledge, and the pledge only means that you agree to receive the newsletter every month in your inbox mm -hmm. at logpledge.org, you take a pledge and we keep you informed and we focus on various organizations and amazing women across the world that are trying to impact this issue. Thank you so much. That's really amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> for what you're doing for the awards you're winning, all the awards that you're gonna win in the future. <laughs> Wonderful having you on the Thank show. You. The Walking Dead airs Sundays at 9 p.m. on AMC. Danai Gurira, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, 
Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.